God, we pray that we would desire being different. Peculiar, a peculiar people, chosen people by the power of the sovereignty of God and his Holy Spirit in this place right now. We are so honored, Lord, that you would bless us with your presence. Because most of us in the room, Lord, have in some way been away from you even this week. And we're so in need of you. We need you, Lord. In an age that considers differentness to be transgenders and everything but simple, humble, loving, God-fearing people. In an age when it's hard to even speak the truth for fear that we will be castigated and thrown out, locked up. God, I pray that the unity that we experience in this room is because of you, Jesus. Because you are obviously here. You have already prepared the way. You've already paved a way into our hearts, God. And we are extremely humbled by that. Pray the mighty name of Jesus would stand preeminent today in this place. In Jesus' name we can pray. Amen. When I think of the acronym GROW, the first letter was go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go, go be a different people to people out there. And the second last week was our reach out of your box. Reach out for God. Reach out to Jesus right now in this place. Because he is the only one that can sustain us and give us peace inside. This week was a celebration for one of our new brothers in the Lord that's sitting in the room today. And I'm not going to point him out, but... They've attended our church off and on for the last year, and he called and said, I'd like to come and do some, some work around the church, and I said to Casey, that's, that's a, a line that says, I'm coming over there, I want Jesus. I said, today is his day. I could tell, and it was. And I could hear from my office wall, Casey on the other side, talking to him about Christ and what Christ has done and how he's paid the price for our sins so that we could be free. And I just rejoiced already ahead of time that another one had come into the kingdom because we're in a battle. We're in a battle just to be a church where you walk in and walk out just the same. Where you come because it's a social club and that's where your friends go rather than coming because God Almighty is on the throne and he honors us even in our worship. Because if you couldn't sense the power of the Holy Spirit today, then you're cold. You're cold. If you already sensed that in your spirit you want to criticize more than worship, there's something wrong. Seriously. So this is week three of our discussion about growing. 
growing together, growing individually, and growing the body of Christ. And I was asking God, I said, what do you want me to talk about? Because the O falls in line now with my acronym. And it was simple. I immediately thought back to Bible college when we used to make a joke about the Old Testament that talked about two is better than one. There's a verse in the Old Testament that actually says two is better than one and it's better if you lie in heat with someone. And it's like all the guys in college were saying, wow, we got to find a girl. But in reality, everyone in this room is looking for someone to love and to be loved by. We crave it. We do. This world is ruled by Satan. But this is our Father's world. It's our world. It is our world to win to Christ. And as long as we do not stop identifying that we need to reach other people, God will continue to bless our church. He will bring people and he will take people. I was sharing with the praise band this morning that Randy and Christy Tatton will be moving to Tennessee to work in a church there, go to seminary and become a pastor, and I, I can't think of anything better to do with your life. It's hard to release people, but we release them because it is the will of God for them to do this. And I'm so, I'm so happy that I've been able to be a part of discipling them through the last numerous years and that they've been a part of my life and they're precious people. I think Randy is one of the most um, gifted people that I've ever known. And he will be filling, uh, joining a staff there of numerous people and being the creative um, team leader. So this morning, we all know this. We all know we need somebody to love and be loved by because the Bible says that we're two or three or two are better than one. And it also says it's not good for man to be alone. There's not a wedding that I do that I don't use that, actually. But the Bible talks about how God created man, and he took a rib from man, and he made a partner for, for him to go through life with. Our ladies were gone to the retreat this weekend and had an amazingly awesome time. And many decisions were made for Christ. And I like what, I, I really like what Jackie Richards tweeted or Facebooked, I'm not sure. She just said, I just love Rock Church. I love my friends there and the fellowship that we share. It made my heart leap inside because of the close relationships we have in this body. It is a family. I don't know if you realize it, but satisfying relationships actually make us happy inside. It does something physically for you and for me to have a relationship that is satisfying and fulfilling and in direct report, proportion to that, it's, it's interesting to find out when you don't have that, you can actually become sick because of it. There's something inside of you that requires that companionship, that friendship with other people. And it's not limited to romantic relationships. It, it, is, it is friendship. I don't have to look very far. I have friends right in front of me. I think so. I don't have to look very far to see that God works because my son-in-law is here again. 
And I know mom was crying because you are here. And I know that God works and we never give up. We recently had a family that wasn't very happy with me because of my not unwillingness to do some things and we're going to leave the church. But God opened the door and gave opportunity this week for me to just pour love on them to keep them at our church. We're a body. We're a family. When one hurts, we all hurt. I, if I've taught our staff anything, it's this. The thing that will make Rock Church grow is intimacy because you're not getting it today. Mega churches will never give you the intimacy that you'll get in a small body. I'm quite convinced that, that God meant for the New Testament local individual church to minister to individual people that had real names and real stories and to get to know their stories. And if you come here, you will. You will get to know other people's stories. Most of us don't think that relationships could possibly have anything to do with illness or depression or anxiety or sadness, but they do. They have everything to do with it. So as we look at the R in the, in the acronym GROW, all we could think about is, well, what does R mean? And the dictionary definition is this, belonging to or associated with the speaker and one or more people previously mentioned or easily identified. Our, our, Patrick and me, Noel and me. I forget your name, but what? Bella, my wife told me that. You went to the retreat. Bella, it's a name I shouldn't forget, but I won't tell you why. <laughs> Some of you know. We already had the story a couple weeks ago where Jesus called that person a dog. Okay, I got to let it out now. Our dog's name is Bella. But you're not a dog. Otherwise, people are going to say, man, you really stick your foot in your mouth, don't you? Actually, quite often. So it's identifying with the speaker. Don't you think that God designed the church so that you actually knew the pastor? So that you've actually interacted with them and talked to them and maybe had questions and maybe fellowshiped outside of the church. Because I think that's how God designed the church to be, that he would be a shepherd to the people there. We would understand our needs and our prayer requests and, and our issues in our lives. A man dialed the wrong number and got the following recording. I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call me. I'm making some serious changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, you are one of the changes. That is about as descriptive of the age we live in than any other age of mankind. Because people unfriend you to send you a message, and you go into deep depression. Like, what did I do? And then you, you put things online, and, you, and don't, don't tell me you don't do this. You check to see not just how many likes there are, but click to see who liked your stuff, right? 
because we're all looking for friends. We're all looking for people who care about us. And I, I really honestly, I, I do think this, that the likes are significant. Because I see some people in the church that like other people's stuff that is absolutely frivolous. They painted their dog and they're liking it. And I could put a message online and say 50 people came to Christ and were baptized this morning. They wouldn't like it. Because in reality, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with this, with me, right? Well, I have a problem with you. Or I, I, I just can't get beyond this thing. I can't even sit so I can see you on Sunday mornings. I, I, look, I look through the whole room. The only place I cannot see is, that is safe is way back there where everybody sits, way in the back. Way, no, I can see you, Jackie. Don't sit under a light like that because I can tell if you're convicted, sister. You know what I'm talking about out there. You know I know when you're convicted. Sit way against the wall. I'm not saying those people are backsliders. I'm just saying they don't want to be seen, right? So we a lot of times block people out. Working together is what you call teamwork. I actually, I love what the famous philosopher Michael Jordan said. Talent wins games. Teamwork wins championships. So now, maybe next year, Duffy's and I will sit together as our sons wrestle. My boy really likes wrestling, and he actually got to start yesterday, and you saw me online. I was put it online like, oh, God, this is so awesome. You know you would do that if you were, it were your kid. I, what I loved about the whole thing was it, it's funny how, you know, wrestling is that individual sport, so the kids are out there all by themselves in those ungodly things, those singlet things that are nasty. Oh, my gosh. They're so nasty, especially if they're in yellow. Okay, that's a side point. So right before Josiah gets to wrestle, and by the way, he got to start, which is a big deal because there's other kids that are in his weight class that, that he, he would have to wrestle against and it didn't work out. But he got to start yesterday at the tournament at Granville High School. And right before he went out to the mat, there are these dads sitting over here, by, you know, and right across from me, and they're going, get over there, instructing every kid. I could tell their kids were like, oh, my gosh, my dad's going to kill me if I don't do this. They're screaming at the top of their lungs. And one of the other guys said, do you need, you, you, you might have a stroke. Do we need to get the crash cart and have it ready? So they're screaming like crazy about their kid. My wife is at the retreat, and trust me, she's at that level. If you know Becky, she's at that level over there. She just, Josiah! You, you would honestly think that she was a professional wrestler. <laughs> Can't you picture that? You know Becky? Maybe a seminary professor, but a professional female wrestler, I don't think so. And uh, sh sh she would be yelling like that, but... I was so excited because it got real quiet when Josiah got out there because they don't know him. He's not a starter, but he pinned that kid in, in less than a minute. I'm screaming. I'm screaming, yeah, this is so fun. It's fun to win, isn't it? 
You know what, everybody? Listen. We ought to be screaming for each other. You know, you, you know, I'm not just saying this. You know this is true. I could tell standing over the piano what days the Spirit of God is working in power and what days he, the Spirit of God, a third of the Trinity, God himself, what days he's actually working. And today he's working. You know how you know? Because the Holy Spirit is the feeling part of the Godhead, and he goes to work on you. Woo, yeah, Jesus, you're in the house. Yes, he is. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Because some of you might be on the verge of taking a wrong path soon. And God is saying to you today, you came in the room specifically for this reason, to get off of that path that's leading you into that decision and get you back refocused on what's important. So as I was preparing for this morning, I wanted to talk about unity, and another name for unity is teamwork. You know what they do at the wrestling matches and the wrestling meets? That when one of the guys finishes his meet, before he starts, he shakes the, the opponent's hand, and then they do their wrestling and hate each other and grab each other in parts that should not even be mentioned. And I saw a kid scratching another person, and oh my gosh, there's some hurtful things that can happen, trust me. And, but what, what, what is really interesting, when they're done, they make the kid go to the opposing coach and shakes hands with him after they shook hands with their opponent. And then the whole team gets up and swarms around the kid and like high fives and makes him feel like he's good even if he totally stunk. Because you walk away thinking, it's teamwork, isn't it? It's teamwork. Teamwork works. Teamwork wins. You say, well, I don't fit. Do you know that most of my life, honestly, most of my life, I have not fit anywhere? And the devil countless times in my life has said to me, you're just worthless. You are absolutely worthless. You should die. And then God in his grace has whispered in my ear, no. God only knows. Yes, 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 yes. God only knows what you've had to go through. Ooh, and the Bible says one day you shall come forth as gold. That all of these works that we've done, good or bad in earth, will be tested by God and we shall come forth as gold no matter what. If you're a child of God because he keeps no thoughts or remembrances about your sins. You ought to rejoice in that alone. Hallelujah. How about a Hallelujah. Jesus. Don't you ever feel like doing that? Just do that with me. Ooh, Jesus. Ready? Ooh, Jesus. If you're visiting, it is like this all the time. It is. Because I got sick of all the dry, dusty stuff. Through the years, different men and women have made statements about teamwork. Vince Lombardi actually said, individual commitment to a group effort, that's what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, and a civilization work. Ken Blanchard said, none of us is as smart as all of us. That's why we connect. Helen Keller said, alone we do so little, together we can do so much. Do you know what? I've watched God answer prayer. 
I went to the hospital and sat with a person who really was ready to walk out of our church, and the sweet spirit of God entered the room and changed everything. I've walked beside people in the congregation sitting right in front of me that were praying for something like you, Dale, needing a job, and you got one. And so I'm rejoicing inside because together we're powerful. Together we don't give up. Together we keep pressing on toward the prize of the high mark of God that God looks back and says, you know what? You were not just in this alone. You were a team player. Unity is important. Unity doesn't mean that we'll always think exactly alike. We will differ on many things. But above all, we're concerned that we stay connected. Let things go. Don't always have to have our way and could just go right on. In Jesus' day, there were some problems with this with Jesus himself. Prior to this, I wanted to share a couple of stories. Because I've, I've experienced this through my years of being a pastor and growing up in the church, that churches have a lot of fights. There's infighting in the church about all kinds of things. And the story is told about a church in the south where Randy's moving. Where a disagreement in the congregation got out of hand. It escalated to like a battle of the Hatfields and the McCoys. And finally, when everyone realized that reaching an agreement was no longer possible, the voters of the church assembled at the recommendation of the church council. They voted to saw the church right down the middle, all the way up through the steeple and the pulpit. They sawed the church in half. That half of the church, the left half, was called Left Half Community Church. The other side was called Right Half Community Church. And the right half always used to say that the other side was the wrong half. You know how that goes? Believe it or not, I've been in some of the wickedest battles you could ever imagine in church. I can only wonder what good that did. Last night I got in line because recently, and, I, and I, I've been thinking this myself a lot, that the megachurches of our country are going down, one after another after another, because people attack their leaders. So I, I was looking at what happened to James McDonald, who planted like 1,100 churches, has written several books, had his own television, radio broadcasts, and had done all kinds of things, and recently was fired by his church. And as I was looking for things last night to use, I came across a video that a lady made who used to be very involved in the church, her and her husband, and it was literally about 11 minutes of slanderous hate toward the pastor. And all I could think to myself is, and what, ma'am, do you think you accomplished? Is anyone helped by that? You see, when that happens, it's because we decide to play God and get vengeance on the person. You hear all this talk about repentance nowadays. I can't forgive because they won't repent. She won't repent. He won't repent. You're not interested in them repenting. You're interested in them being destroyed. It's get even. You're going to hear a lot of stuff about me in this town, but it doesn't matter. You should try the spirits yourself. You should check yourself. 
to see whether you think God is working or not working. Do you trust anything online? Seriously, do you? See, what I think is that America has, is headed for absolute disaster sooner than later. So in preparing for this morning, I actually had to get up this morning and write a bunch of stuff down because I wanted to make sure I got it accurate. And the New Yorker, which is a paper, a periodical, there was a recent article written by a guy who used to be a part of the special service, or forces, excuse me, worked with the United Nations and was 16 years, worked for the State Department in the United States of America. And he asked the question, are we headed for a civil war in America? He said in the article, and it was too lengthy for me to share the whole thing this morning, but he said that we are on the verge of a civil war in the next 10 to 15 years, and you should prepare. He came back after 16 years of working over in various countries like Afghanistan, Colombia, El Salvador, Iraq, Somalia, and the Sudan. If you know anything about those countries, there's been a lot of genocidal type cleansing of the countries where people just slaughtered. He came back after 16 years of being away, returned to Washington, D.C., and, and he found that the conditions, he said, in America were exactly as they were in each of these countries which was involved in civil war. He says that we face a 60% chance of civil war within the next 10 to 15 years. And he cited five solid reasons for his premise. Number one. We are entrenched in national polarization. You agree? I'm 67. I don't think I've ever seen such polarization ever before. It is in the church, and it is in our nation. Just go to a big church so you don't have to get to know anybody, and you can just walk in and walk out, but that's not what God ordained the church for. Just don't, don't listen to Fox News and don't listen to any of the cable news network, so you don't have to be involved in seeing and witnessing firsthand what is happening in our country, but we are in trouble. First, he said there is national polarization with no middle ground for resolution. You would have thought that because we had the three divisions in our country that one would correct the other, but that is not the case anymore. The executive branch cannot do what it needs to do. The lawmaking part of our, our nation is messed up royally. I think we should be greatly concerned, and I know I'll probably offend somebody in here and I already have because I use the word transgender. You have to be so politically correct because you may go to jail. But we are in trouble as a nation because we cannot even talk anymore without being castigated at, at the very least or heckled. Universities are full of liberal teachers. We are in trouble. The next generation does not think like my generation. And he goes on to say, number two is divisive press coverage and information flows. You are not getting truth in the, in the press anymore. 
You're not getting truth on, on most networks. What you're getting is propaganda that teaches you what they want you and how they want you to view the president of the United States whom they hate. But they didn't hate him until he became the president of the United States. And I, I don't care if you like me or not. God bless President Trump. He's the president of this nation, which is the greatest nation in the entire world. I'm going to Vietnam tomorrow. I have been there probably 30 times, and I'll keep going because I believe even if I only win a few people, the nation will turn to Christ. Have we given up? Our president was in Vietnam just days ago. He was not able to do what he would like to have done with Kim Jong-un, but he knows what he's doing. I'm so glad he didn't just give in and say, we'll give you whatever you want. We'll, we'll remove all the economic barriers that we put in place. And by the way, this ridiculous, and if you're mad at me, be mad. This woman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the New Green Deal, it's preposterous. It's absolute preposterous. It's not just socialism. It is destruction of America as we know it. No more cars, no more planes, just fast-speed trains. I've been to countries that have the fast-speed train. I'll guarantee you they're nothing like what we have in this nation. Why are our pastors not getting up and setting straight the record to people, specifically young people, to counterbalance what's going on in the secular universities. And by the way, you're thinking about yanking yourself out of our church and your kids? Go for it. I think we have a youth program that actually points kids to Christ. That's almost non-existent. I'm going to start speaking in a youth group once a month and in a women's ministry once a month. Because I would like to have some interaction with our ladies and our teens. Our nation is in such trouble. I pray that it's not too late. And I've shared this many times. When I was in Bosnia and Croatia about 15 years ago now, we crossed the border and we had to hide the hundreds of Bibles that we were bringing into the country in the back of the station wagon in a special compartment underneath because the missionary that went with myself and my friend told us that we would be killed, shot right at the border if we brought them across into Bosnia. And so we made it, obviously, and we were going to drive 10 hours south down to Mostar, which is at the bottom of the country. And in our travels, we were passing all these little towns that were completely gone completely gone. All that was left were the foundations and satellite dishes and everything. And I said, what in the world happened? And he said, civil war. Civil war broke out. Just to prepare you for what will happen if civil war breaks out here, no one will know who's on what side and kill. It'll become a bloodbath. Our government's trying to take our guns away. That's a line of crap. We need to be able to defend ourselves. And I'm not just trying to be a fear monger. I'm saying this. We need to be unified people. Are you ashamed in a public place to say that I support our president? I happen to think that outside of Ronald Reagan, he's the best president we've ever had. The guy has guts. Do you have to like everything about him? No. You don't even like everything about your spouse, and you know it. And if you laughed, it's probably serious. Know what I'm saying? 
You know what I'm saying? Why do you have to agree with everything your spouse says and your pastor says and, and, and the, your friends say? Why can't we agree to just have different ideas at times about things and still love each other? Stop listening to all those voices out there. He said, number two is divisive press coverage. You couldn't get any worse. Number three is weakened institutions. Congress and the judiciary are weak, divided, and certainly not doing what they ought to do. Do we need, do we really not need a border wall? A nation without border walls is not a nation. And I'm going to Vietnam. You cannot get in there until they scrutinize you. They go through everything you bring in. And the fact of the matter is, who in the heck wants to move into Vietnam and communism? They all want to get out. But even a communist country has borders. Our young people are being brainwashed by our schools. It's time to set the record straight. And I happen to think this. I happen to think people come here because they will like something fresh, a fresh perspective on what's really going down. See, things haven't changed at all. They were this way in Jesus' day. Number four is a sellout of responsibility by leadership. They're sold out to the highest bidder. Ridiculous leadership. And number five is legitimization of violence as the way to either conduct discourse and solve disputes. Do you see it? Violence is now the way to, dis to have a discourse and to, dissolve, uh, to solve your disputes. I don't think so. People, please do me this favor. If you go to this church and you've loved it and all of a sudden something happens and you no longer feel like you love it, do me a huge favor. Come and talk to me. Right? Don't just flake out and run off. Don't just flake out and leave your marriage. You don't just run off on your parents. You don't abandon your kids. You live by principle. So in Jesus' day, the Pharisees came to him. And by the way, our city is full of Pharisees. Well, they don't like to be called Pharisees. Neither, neither did they in Jesus' day. But it says in Matthew chapter 12, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself Will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is not by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This is the deal. That text 
what Jesus said about a house divided against itself will not stand, went down in history. It's infamous. It was used in a speech. A Republican candidate for the U.S. Senator stood up in the Illinois State Capitol to accept his party's nomination back in 1858. The speech he gave didn't help him win the election to the Senate, but it did rally Republicans across the northern states around the issue of slavery, and it became one of Abraham Lincoln's most famous speeches. Maybe you remember reading it. Let me read it. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently, half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other thing. Either the opponents of slavery will arrest the further spread of it and place it where the public mind shall rest in the, in the be belief that it is in the course of ultimate extinction, or its advocates will push it forward till it shall become lawful in all states, old as well as new, north as well as south. Lincoln knew this. Either we're going to deal with this issue of slavery or we're going to be divided as a nation permanently. Right now, I hear people actually say Texas would like to secede from the Union and become their own country. There'd be a lot of us moving to Texas. You know anything about Texans? I think it's sad that America is sunk to this. And I blame it on the church because we can't even get along. The minute you're affected by something or don't baby like you should be, you're off to the next place. That's not perfect because none of us are perfect. Don't measure your loyalty to an institution or to other people by what you get out of it. Measure it by what you actually put into it. Do you know it wasn't only Lincoln who talked about this, this whole thing with um, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. It was St. Augustine and his confessions that were, were written. He knew that his conversion would mean trouble. Every time a man gets saved in a household in our church, I wonder if the wife is saved because I know that it is going to create trouble. Yes, it will. Every time there's a woman in the room who has an unsaved husband and she's praying for him and he comes to this church, I guarantee you there is tension. And if you don't think the devil's going to fight it, you are crazy. I would say this, knowing what I see, having been around and been in ministry so long, you better get saved because you're going to get left. You're going to get left, and I'll guarantee you one day a lot of people are going to wake up, and they're going to find that their spouse who was a Christian is not in the house, and they're going to wonder what happened. And the Bible actually says that they're going to believe a strong delusion, a lie. Jesus is coming. You better mark it down. Jesus is coming. That ought to send chills up and down your spine. Stop living for self. Invest in the kingdom because the king is coming. It wasn't just St. Augustine. It was Thomas Hobbes in 1651 in his book, Writings Le Leviathan. He stated, a kingdom divided itself cannot stand. And then Thomas Paine in 1776 in Common Sense describes the composition of monarchy as having all the distinctions of a house divided itself against itself. When you live in a monarchy, when you live in a, in a um, dictator-ruled country like North Korea, you contrast freedom 
with slavery and you have north and south. They're not even allowed to have a phone. They're not allowed to have radios. They're not allowed to check anything out in the rest of the world. Kim Jong-un has loudspeakers going day and night with propaganda so they can't hear anything from the other side who's shipping across the border, the area of demarcation there, shipping loudspeakers of freedom things. I'm praying that Kim Jong-un will come to his senses and realize how amazing it would be to be free. Oh, Jesus, this morning we are free. We sit here free. We get to do this in a building free. I am headed to a place that is not free tomorrow. While we're out, they check our bags. All of those that went over to, to, to Hanoi along with the president and the entourage that he had go there, said they were told they're being watched even in their bathrooms, and they were scared. There are five of us going. We will be in danger the entire time we're there, and God will protect us the entire time because he sends angels along with you when you're riding, when you're walking, when you're talking. We have had people with knives follow us. We've, we are bringing a lot of money, and we will be taking an offering on the way out of the room today if you'd like to give, to give to the Vietnamese people. So don't forget that, whoever has the baskets at the doors. Um, we, we're leaving tomorrow morning, and I, I, that's what I believe. God wants to change that part of the world. God has moved into the Asian nations now to bring revival before he comes. But he's coming, and it's soon. There's a reason why all these famous people <clears throat> borrowed those words that a kingdom divided cannot stand. It's because they're true. When the scribes accuse Jesus of casting out demons by being in league with the devil, Jesus comes back at them with a reference to Jewish history. He says a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and he is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. Just look at what happened to Rehoboam and the nation of Israel. I don't have time. i got to go quickly. If you go back and you look at what happened in the Old Testament to Rehoboam, you're going to find out Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. Solomon, most of these years, was doing quite well. David's son, Solomon, was to rebuild the temple. But David's sin, and I want to say this to every man and woman in the room, your sin, your sin will pass down to your children. Your sin will pass down to your children. And David's sin was to be paid for in future generations. Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam who was to take over Israel and be their king. But he divided the kingdom. Jeroboam took the northern part with ten tribes and Rehoboam took the southern two tribes on his own, and even those two tribes he couldn't lead because the people were fighting against each other. He wasn't a godly man. Let me, just, let me just say this, everybody in the room. If you think you're getting by with what you're getting by with right now, not for long. No. Your kingdom will crumble. It will. It's a good thing. Isn't it a good thing? The Lord has a way of revealing these things in our lives that need to change because he loves us. And we're so stupid. My, I, I've shared it a million times. The president of my Bible college always used to say, one thing we never learn from history is that we never learn from history. History should tell us what are the paths that nations take, people take, marriages take, children take, 
what are the paths that lead to destruction and stay off that path. Gird yourself up. You know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get different results. You are sitting in the room and you're thinking, gee, I just don't know why I can't get over this sin. This seems like I just get bigger and bigger. This seems like it just becomes more predominant in my life. It's because you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Change course. Get off that ship to Tarshish and get on the ship that's moving toward God. It has to be intentional. I'll be gone next Sunday. Zach will be preaching. I'll be gone. Two men's Bible studies. My son Nick is preaching. And I'll guarantee it will be powerful. Even the words he said this morning were powerful. Preparing the way. God, please. I'm not afraid to say this. I know the Holy Spirit is right here, right now, in this place. Right here, right now. He made you come today. He made you come this day for a reason. Ask him what it is. Show me your ways. Please, God. The problem with religious leaders of Jesus' day is, is no different than the problem of religious leaders today. They're not interested in expanding his kingdom. They're interested in expanding their own kingdom. That's a dangerous path to live on. I don't have a lot of time left, but I think it's interesting that they use the, they use the word Beelzebub. Beelzebub, that Jesus casts out demons in the, in, you know, with the help of Beelzebub. And so it comes, the, the word actually comes from a Hebrew play on words. By the time that the describes actually used this, they had forgotten where it actually came from. The origins go back to the Old Testament. Beelzebub sounds an awful like, like Beelzebul, which means Baal, the exalted one. Oh, you remember back to the Old Testament, Baal worship was very common. Hey, stay with me just a couple more minutes. Baal worship was very, very common. It was evil. The Lord of the flies is what it meant, Lord of the flies. And you know what they did in Baal worship? They sacrificed children on an altar. In the past week, we have done probably one of the most dangerous things we as a nation could do, and God will not tolerate it. He will absolutely not tolerate it, and I don't care if people like it or not. It's insane that our Senate stopped allowing us to save a baby's life who has, they, they attempted an abortion and took the right away for resuscitating and trying to get the baby to live. That's insanity. It's murder. It's murder. You agree? If we don't speak up, people, it's going to get worse. I guarantee you where this is going. It's permission to kill those that are not wanted. I'm 67. There's a lot of people in here that would vote for me. Hook them up to some infusion. The old Wendy's down there, they, it's called infusion now. And I'm like, wow. Can you possibly imagine this, a society that, that makes it legal to euthanize? Makes it legal to euthanize those that we no longer want should be discarded because they're an imposition on us. Every child has a responsibility to take care of their parents, just like parents had a responsibility to take care of their children. This is where this is all going. You watch. You watch. Keep your ear to the ground and watch what's coming out. And we're not being warned and it's not being discussed because it doesn't get people to come to your church because church is all about money now. Listen, 
We are not all about money. We don't need it. God does sufficient at taking care of us. We raised the most money we've ever raised thus far to go to Vietnam. Right now I'm taking 8,000. I wanted to take 10,000, but I met a guy from, from New Zealand online, and he's meeting us there with his wife and child, and we're, we're, we're going to partner together. He's going to try to bring a couple thousand. We're going to give every pastor money. We're going to give all these people that have accepted Christ money. We're going to buy rice for neighborhoods, little towns. We have a plan, and he has gone there now to start a business where he, he can take the poor people that because of the Vietnam World's War suffered from Agent Orange and deformities, and where he's building these portable coffee houses that can be moved around the country where they can run it. I want to be a part of it. It's a way to introduce people to Jesus. You, Lord, you are worthy. Is he worthy? You are worthy, Lord. You are, I think it's interesting that Beelzebub, Beelzebul, it all comes from the same root. It means Lord of the flies. And you know I grew up on a farm, and you know where flies hang out? Ship high in transit. Because I can't say the other word. My wife will think I'm bound for hell if I do. Flies hang out over crap. They hang out over the dead. You ever have a farm animal that has died and the carcass is rotting there and the flies are all around it swarming? That's Satan. He wants to take us out. Jesus had no part in that. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't you want it? I'm curious how many people in the room, because I'm losing my voice a lot. Naturally, I'm getting on a plane for like 25 hours, sitting in between like several Asians that like to sleep on your body and everything. The, the Asian world, I, I love Asians. I, I, I own one. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> Asians are just so funny. Josiah's probably sinking down. It's like, it, it, you know how difficult it is to be a pastor's kid? They're like, here he goes again. Yeah, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, I own one. <laughs> They're funny. Oh, my gosh. It's so I can't even wait to get over there. I can't even wait. These little kids come running around wherever you're eating in any restaurant. The guys that have been there know what I'm talking about. Selling whistles made out of clay. And they're blowing it, and, and, and they, they want you to blow it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't want hoof and mouth. You might as well just, I, I, I reminded myself this morning, make sure you go to the store this afternoon and get some Lysol disinfectant wipes. Because almost every time I come back, I'm sick. Stomach sick. Because they don't use soap there. They don't wash dishes with soap. They wash them with the river water. You seen the river water when you've been there? You, you, oh, my gosh. Jesus, help us. The Lord of death is real. But the Lord of glory is, too. 